Welcome to the Refinitive Sustainability Perspectives Podcast, where our goal is to engage and inform our audience from investors to asset managers and portfolio managers to sustainability leaders and those involved in ESG and sustainable finance. This is Kisa Shreen. A Biden presidency is a potential game changer for the outlook for the global climate. In fact, I think it's already changing the game. But what steps and efforts are required to truly move the U.S. to a path consistent with net zero goals? To talk about the expectations around the climate program of the new Biden-Harris administration and the factors required to achieve the desired results, here with us is Brian Davidson, Head of Climate Economics at Fathom Consulting. Brian, thank you for joining. Hi, Kisa, and hi, everybody, and uh, thank you for having me. So, Brian, let's just jump into it. What are the key items in Biden's climate action plan for those of us who have seen them but really want to just understand what they can be from a bullet point perspective? What are those items? Well, the, first and foremost, he has signed up to the uh, to the Paris Agreement again. And the objective of that agreement is to limit global warming to one and a half degrees above pre-industrial uh, levels. And to do that, there's a widespread recognition that greenhouse gas emissions need to come down to zero on a net basis by the middle of the century. So that essentially, I mean, there's a whole string of um, actions and things that are needed in order to achieve that. So that's the starting point and that's his objective. There's a string of things he can and uh, should do. Uh, he's made a good start. He's um, done a lot of executive actions uh, which will uh, not only reduce the US emissions, uh, they can nudge private sector uh, players to reduce their emissions. So let's talk a bit about border taxes in terms of influencing countries to make changes, cut emissions, um, and also protecting federal land. Those are things that we've heard about quite a bit. What is your insight on that, Brian? Well, the, the, the border tax is an interesting issue. So the, the idea of a border tax is if you are taxing your domestic producers for the amount of carbon they uh, emit, then in order not to have leakage, i.e. a company goes and produces things in another country and exports that to the US, uh, in that other country having uh, lower environmental standards. Um, so to prevent that from happening, you want a carbon border tax. Um, and this could be very useful in the global effort to reduce carbon emissions uh, with the us being such a big economy uh, many people exporting to it if if the us has a tax on carbon uh, imports then those countries have an economic incentive to reduce their emissions too uh, but of course mm. for such a policy to be fair uh, to be legal, uh, lawful and to be effective uh, in the long run, uh, the US would need a domestic carbon tax as well. Uh, and of course here, this is a slightly more contentious issue. Um, so I, I guess talking about carbon border taxes is slightly putting the cart before the horse until there's a US domestic carbon tax in place. And also there's been a lot of talk about um, postponing drilling. I think um, the term postponing and canceling have been used interchangeably in the discussion. So we have the protecting federal land as well as the drilling permits, pipeline construction. How does this play into climate change? They are quite symbolic. Well, of course, it has an effect if, if you don't have a pipeline linking a, a region which produces oil to, to get it to port, then that oil is not going to be extracted or 
or shipped. So, so it will have an immediate effect on reducing emissions, but it, it also will give a lot of uh, fossil fuel producers uh, pause for thought in terms of planning future projects. Um, you know, I mean, the bottom line is that in order to get to net zero, which is ultimately Joe Biden's stated goal and the stated goals of the, of the Paris Agreement, uh, fossil fuel consumption needs to come down drastically um, and uh, renewable energy generation needs to uh, increase significantly. So by uh, putting bans on drilling on federal land or blocking the you know construction of uh, oil pipelines, it sets a precedent, it sets a tone, uh, and it does facilitate a shift towards uh, investments in in more climate-friendly areas. So in talking about that shift towards investments, that's really a good segue. And looking at some of these plans, as a portfolio manager, as an ESG investor, what am I to think about in terms of how achievable those plans are? And if I should really think about using some of these as um, how I view a lens through which I view my investments. Are these really achievable? And should an ESG investor really start using some of these points as a lens through which they view their investments? Well, of course, um, uh, policy credibilities um, is a fundamental consideration for all investors. So the policy outlook in the US is slightly uncertain. I think in order to actually achieve Joe Biden's goals, uh, he will need bipartisan support, and that would include a domestic carbon tax. It would also require bipartisan support for uh, spending on um, climate-related infrastructure uh, for R&D into uh, climate solutions. Uh, so all of those things should be considered by investors. But uh, aside from government regulation, if an investor wants to be ESG-friendly, it's, it's not just about looking at ESG scores or e-scores. It's about developing a framework in which considerations of how to get to net zero are a core part of that framework. So where are the emissions coming from today? What is the expected path of those emissions reductions? And essentially, if you're an, an investor and you want to be ESG friendly, are you investing in companies that are facilitating that effort or not? So uh, it is quite simple really if you if you take a step back and look at it at the big picture what needs to happen is this company doing something to assist uh, that process uh, that's the way i would look at it and how can these investors influence these outcomes right so you have the policies that we talked about but in terms of really making these influencing the outcomes and ensuring that these policies are really having the um, hope for impact. What can an investor do? Or is it simple as having conversations with the C-suite, with engaging the senior members of these companies? Um, I think there's several things they can do. Of course, those conversations are important. Um, th there are regulations. Um, there is the, the Task Force for Climate-Related Financial Disclosures. Uh, those are a set of guidelines for climate-related uh, reporting. So in order to report properly on the climate, it, <laughs> uh, you need to understand uh, what those issues are. So I think there's, there is an awareness issue. There are question marks about how do you measure these things. Um, but I think sort of underpinning all that, there is a framework. Um, but I guess, uh, I guess to answer your question, well, what else can investors do? They can have those conversations they will need to report the risks and there are risks both ways. Uh, so if 
if the world collectively does not do what is required to reduce um, the path of emissions, global warming will continue to to occur, and that has a set of economic risks. So those, mm. so the new disclosure requirements, which are now soon to be mandated by law in Europe, and I I would guess they would in the near future be mandated by law in the United States, by acknowledging identifying those risks both from global warming or climate change and the risks that are associated with the transition to try and prevent that happening. Disclosure of those issues um, uh, are important from a company point of view and investors could also insist, well, corporates could insist that their suppliers are taking actions to identify these risks and to mitigate those risks. So I think throughout the whole supply chain, there's a series of um, recognitions and conversations to be had. Absolutely. Supply chain, um, always a really important topic as we talk about some of the issues that corporates are dealing with and how to really ensure that their supply chains are moving forward in the same direction. So, Brian, if there are a few top obstacles, say top three obstacles that would really need to um, be vetted, that we need to overcome um, from this perspective to move things forward, to move some of these policies forward, what are those obstacles and how would you recommend that they could be overcome? Um, ha, that's uh, it, well, there are there are obstacles at a global level, and um, with respect to the U.S., which clearly is an an important uh, global player in this in this whole question of climate change, the first obstacle I would say is uh, agreeing on a carbon tax. Um, I think a carbon tax is a really important part of the toolkit because essentially the carbon is is increasing the cost of the negative externalities. It's 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 charging for those externalities. So agreeing that that carbon tax is one issue. Um, policy clarity is important as well for planning. Um, so, you know, while the Biden administration has taken a lot of efforts to, it's taken some executive actions and so on, uh, there will be elections further down the line and then you could have a president unwinding those actions uh, in future. So I think there really does need to be a bipartisan sort of consensus in some of these issues uh, to give that policy clarity to investors. Um, the next hurdle I think is, um, well, I, I and I do, I'm pretty optimistic that actually identifying the risks, the transition risks, the actual climate, the risk from climate change itself, those are really key. They're not quite in place at the moment, but I think with uh, there is a big push to, to, to get there. Uh, so I'm a little bit more optimistic on that one. The third, the third main challenge, that would probably be convincing fast-growing emerging markets or other countries in general. You could put into that category uh, countries that are whose economies are very reliant on fossil fuels uh, to to reduce their carbon emissions. Um, but to get back to my first point, if the U.S. can can agree on a domestic carbon tax then it could and most probably would be imposing carbon border taxes. And of course, you've got uh, you've got Europe, you've got the UK, you've got other major economies, Japan, South Korea, even China is has made a net zero commitment. Uh, that's by 2060. And they are um, they do have a domestic carbon market. So if you have these big economies um, all moving in the same direction, then I think some of the other countries that don't have such ambitious environmental plans, they will fall 
they will fall into line um, and that could be done through a question of diplomacy or that kind of using the stick of a carbon border tax which provides a, an incentive a financial incentive for them to to increase their um, uh, greenhouse gas reduction targets wow so just proving the point that no one is an island that we're really in this together um, globally in terms of influencing so brian some great points here talking about the biden harris climate agenda ambitious but doable, um, and just some things that can happen from an investor level. Institutional investors can have conversations with corporations, obviously need to continue to report on risk, but those conversations and understanding the policies can definitely um, influence, as well as corporations having conversations with their supply chains, ensuring those supply chains have policies in place and agreeing to those policies. Supply chains are very important, clearly, as we have this discussion. Also, some of the key areas that you pointed out, agreeing on the carbon tax could be something that could drive the conversation forward. Also, policy clarity and bipartisan consensus, very important here, and really identifying those risks from climate change and convincing emerging market countries whose economies rely on carbon fuels, really having those discussions and influencing um, from reducing carbon from that perspective in those areas as well very interesting information and you know what we have a lot to to come it's just mm -hmm. february and there's a lot coming down the pipeline so i hope you come back and join us and chat about what we've seen so far after the next few months brian absolutely absolutely i look look forward to that and look forward to to monitoring the progress of the administration in this in this area but but more than just the administration um uh, monitoring how the private sector uh, deals with these issues and the solutions they provide and, and and maybe just to add on a slightly more positive note um this is not all about government there are uh, sort of underlying economic uh, uh, factors at play here so for example the cost of renewable energy is falling and in some cases is cheaper than energy produced by traditional fossil fuels uh, also the price of uh, electric cars is falling and you know filling up your tank with an electric car is a lot cheaper than filling up your tank with uh, with petrol or, or gas as as you guys say um, so there are those economic incentives which are pushing society in the direction of uh, reducing their, their carbon emissions. Great. Brian Davidson, Fathom Consulting. Thank you so much for joining us. We invite you to subscribe to the Refinitiv Sustainability Perspectives podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your content. What did you think about the podcast? Leave us a review on iTunes or Follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter for updates on our show. You can even check us out on YouTube now. Thank you for joining. See you next time.